0: Please keep in mind that answers must be given from the word. Amen? You are on trial here. So you have to prove your faith not by your own intelligence, not by your own thoughts or your own feelings, but simply by the word of God. Amen? Counselor?
1: You Adventists believe that all of Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and you teach that Scripture does not contradict Scripture. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, here in Matthew 15, verse 11, Jesus says, Not that which goes into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. And then you have in Acts chapter 10, and we we'll read the vision that God gave to Peter in verse eleven. It says, "And saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of 4 for the beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, saying, 'Rise, Peter, kill and eat.'" And here we see multiple texts saying that now it is okay to eat unclean meats. And why is it that you Adventists continue? to insist that we must not eat these unclean meats.
0: This young lady right here, step on her please. Please state your name for the court.
2: Melissa. Um, And if we look in Two verses later, it says the voice spoke to him, that's Peter, a second time. It says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And so God has not made these unclean meats. He didn't say, oh, in the Old Testament, he said those are not clean. Here he's just saying, what I have called clean, do not call unclean. And we can see later in the verse that he's referring to the message going out to the Gentiles.
1: I'll accept that. Thank you.
3: Your Honor, with your permission, I'd like to call the witness back to the stand, please. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Young lady, I was impressed the way you answered that question, you know, but um, I'm happy to say that uh, I'm a son of a preacher and a New Testament believer. And if I remember correctly, uh, Paul said that... uh, It's all right to have a little wine once in a while, he told Timothy specifically. I mean, you guys make a big deal about, you know, health and, you know, not eating, I'm not drinking alcohol, but um, Paul told Timothy, hey, a little wine for your stomach's sake's okay. And I like to have a little glass of wine once in a while, so how would you uh, respond to that?
0: What's that at? (laughs) Go ahead.
2: I would respond to that by saying that in the Bible, there are two types of wine. There is wine that is fermented and there's wine that is not. For example, in Isaiah, it talks about wine and it's the fruit from the cluster. It's a cluster of grapes. And so you have to look at wine and it's like, is it referring to wine fermented or is it referring to wine unfermented? And the same can be seen, for example, when Jesus you know, had the wine and he said, this is my blood and some people will say well that is wine fermented but the fermentation we um, in the Old Testament was to show that was sinful and his blood was supposed to be pure without sin without fermentation and so we know it is just pure grape juice pure wine and not tainted wine
3: thank you I got a little heartburn (laughs)
0: Thank you Please be mindful of how you cheer This is not This is not a a play Amen, you're in the court Counselor Before uh,
4: Becoming a prosecutor
0: Can I say how nice of a bow tie that is First of all Thank you
4: sir before becoming a prosecutor I spent some time studying theology so my question is a more technical nature while visiting one of your churches these uh, Adventist churches I heard a preacher talk about being perfect and yet when I was looking around that church no one there was perfect in fact even the preacher himself got caught in a money embezzlement scam a few months after. How do you guys reconcile teaching this idea of being perfect with the way you actually live?
0: I'd hate to be an Adventist right now. Is there anyone who would like to challenge or answer that question? Please step up to the witness stand state your name for the court please
5: my name is Lene and the scripture I would bring forward for that is um, where it says he who began a good work in you will complete it unto the day of his returning so it is a work in progress You're not going to be perfect as soon as you say you accept Christ into your life. So if you go through the sanctuary, um, you start out and you accept his sacrifice at the altar. And then afterwards, you go to the labor. And then you're baptized. You publicly confess that Christ is Lord and he is Lord of your life. Then afterwards, you eat the bread at the table of showbread. And then, afterwards, you, you learn to pray at the altar of incense. incense. And then you become a, testimony, a testament to others um, with the seven-branch candlestick, and you witness to others. Then you reach the most holy place where you're keeping the full law of God, and that is glory. <laughs>
4: I think that answer will suffice for now.
0: Very well, thank you, please.
6: Your Honor, I'd like to ask for 30 additional seconds to... to, uh, Deny. Make my case. (laughs) Your Honor, I really believe this is important. Judge, is that Joel Osteen?
0: (laughs) If it were, I'd give him 30 seconds.
6: (laughs) Judge, these Adventists act like they have beliefs beliefs that they believe in so highly that they are actually willing to oppose all the wisdom of the government, the church, and the American people. But the truth is that I think most of them don't really know what they believe or how to explain it. You see, even their own prophet acknowledges this. I have here in my hand a statement that she made that indicates the same. This is found in counsels to writers page 39 and it says I have been shown that many who profess to have a knowledge of present truth know not what they believe they do not understand the evidences of their faith they have no just appreciation of the work for the present time when the time of trial shall come there are men now preaching to others who will find upon examining the positions they hold that there are many things for which they can give no satisfactory reason until thus tested They knew not their ignorance. Now, Your Honor, I just want to ask, how can we take their opposition seriously if they don't know how to explain it? I believe that the questions that I'll ask will will make my case. The first one that I have is Adventists make a great deal of, of these three messages found in Revelation 14. And they say that these messages are... Something that makes them different in these end times and that these messages actually point out that they are to keep the seventh day holy and not the first day as we believe. So I want to ask what is the connection between this Sabbath day and those three messages in Revelation 14?
0: Step up to the witness stand, please. Please state your name for the court.
7: Oh my, Deborah Bacon. can I hear you. Deborah Bacon.
0: Deborah Bacon. Okay. If
7: you would please repeat your question, <laughs> I'm a little the, nervous.
6: <laughs> the question is. What is the connection between keeping the seventh day Sabbath and the three angels' messages of Revelation 14?
7: Well, in Revelation 14, we have where it says in chapter 7, saying with a loud voice, fear God, give him glory, for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountain of waters. If you go to creation on the fourth commandment, there it is. Telling us to, I, if I find it in. Um, you
6: said creation.
7: Well, there was a well, fourth
6: commandment, in creation.
7: Well, uh, yes, there there is a commandment. Uh, well, yes, there is a commandment. And okay, I have it also in Deuteronomy here, but you um, see, I know I get nervous.
6: I think I think you're looking for Exodus 20. Yes,
7: that's what I'm. It, it, it just bypassed it. <laughs>
0: Are you prosecuting or are you helping?
7: <laughs> I think he's a Seventh day Adventist in disguise.
6: <laughs> I'm taking after Joel Osteen.
7: <laughs> Whoa. Okay,
0: we have to get on with okay. this question.
7: Okay, in um, chapter 20, I know. I have Bailiff. Remember Bailiff. the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor. He said, remember, all the others ones said, thou shalt not. He knew we would forget. That's common sense. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor thy servant, nor thy daughter, nor thy son, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gate. And if it's a stranger, strangers, many of them never kept the Sabbath because they, they weren't taught the Sabbath. But we also weren't to have them work on the Sabbath. Because the Lord said in six days the Lord, he made the heaven and earth, and there it is in 11 Quoting in Revelation for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them and he rested the seventh day wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he hallowed it and it's the same writing as you okay, can see I'm sorry
0: but we're going to have to cut this short um, can you give the answer sure, that you're sure, looking sure. for
6: I would say, I would say that's, a, that's a valid argument, but I believe that's only part of the argument. Okay. Um, I believe that, if you look at verse 12 as well, this basically gives a, a summary of these people who are uh, proclaiming these three angels' messages. And it says there, here is the, in verse 12 of Revelation 14, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. These, the, this, this group of people at the end of time will be keeping all the Ten Commandments. In Genesis 2, we see that the Sabbath was instituted at creation. We see that Exodus 20, uh, the, Ten Com- the, the fourth commandment, was part of the original Decalogue, and that has not changed. In Daniel 7, we see that at the end of time, there will be a power that would attempt to change times and laws.
7: I should have went there because I have it all marked. I'm sorry. I'm not going to have my Bible probably. (laughs) Just pray that I don't have to go to
8: a front of a church. Mr. Lunn. Yes, thank you, Your Honor. Uh, I've noticed that Seventh Day Adventists are probably the most legalistic people that I've come across. They put so much emphasis on the law. Uh, According to Colossians chapter two, verse fourteen, the Bible says that the law has been nailed to the cross. And there is no evidence that there is a written law in the Garden of Eden. Uh, This law was given to Moses. Therefore, we can safely conclude, Your Honor, and Seventh-day Adventists, that this law was given to the Jews only. Uh, There is no evidence at all that there was a law before the time of Moses, and this law was nailed to the cross. So if there is any Seventh-day Adventist out there that could could, uh, just clarify from the Word of God that we still need to keep this so-called law that has been nailed to the cross thank you
0: sir please uh, yes please step up
8: <coughs> Colossians 2.14 is one of them
9: please state your name for the court Jeff Sajak where are you from Carmel Indiana nice you, to meet sir. you I would uh... like to direct the court's attention to Matthew chapter five and there we have a sermon by Christ It's a wonderful sermon talks about a lot of things we've talked about here today but the verse I'd like to direct your attention to is verse 17 Christ there is preaching to the people and one thing he made very clear that day that he had come and he did not come to destroy the law and rather he came to fulfill the law and the law as we just heard in Revelation the Ten Commandments will be witnessed and observed by God's people, and uh, Christ knew that, and in fact, Christ is the center of the Bible, as we learned, it's the center of Revelation, and I am honored to say that I still serve God's law. Amen. Uh,
8: Your Honor, the, the, the brother here has just proven my case because Jesus has fulfilled the law. I don't need to keep the law. I just need to keep Jesus. He just said that right there.
0: Is the answer satisfied?
8: Factory to he just proved my case. We don't need to keep the law. Jesus has fulfilled the law for me.
0: Thank you, sir. Is there anyone else that would... Yes, ma'am.
9: We, we well, if we them. look at verse sir, 18... You've had your chance. So. <laughs>
8: <laughs> Jesus has fulfilled the law, okay, brother. That's okay, the fine. reason why I don't need to keep the law, because Jesus has fulfilled it.
0: We'll call you back up.
7: Romans 6. As a Christian, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that to whom ye yield? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. God wants us to have a new life in Jesus.
8: I appreciate her sincerity, Your Honor, but I don't see any law in that verse.
0: Thank you. You may step down. (laughs) Sir, you come back to the witness stand. This is grace given unto you. (laughs)
9: Thank you. I guess I will direct the court's attention to the the next verse um, in Matthew 5, again talking about the law. Um, And uh, certainly the first part is, For surely I say to you, till the heavens and earth pass away, um, not one jot or tittle by no means pass the law till it is fulfilled. Now this earth has not yet passed away. Um, God has not, Christ has not yet come. He is coming soon which I believe this trial here is evidence of that as you have put God's people on trial. And, <laughs> and I, would, I would petition my brothers here to, to, to observe the law. Um, it is going to be all important. It is going to be a sign of God's people as we read here in Revelation 14, as, as the court here has recognized that the law of God is all important.
0: Are you satisfied, Counselor?
9: Yes, thank you very much. Thank
0: you, sir. step down, Mr. Myers?
10: Now, um, Your Honor, these Seventh-day Adventists believe in something they call the first angel's message, which begins with fear God. Is that correct? And yet I believe that your teachings lead people to do the exact opposite, to lose their fear of God. You see, um, one of the best and most effective ways that we believe that God uh, desires to instill fear in people uh, is the teaching of an eternally burning hell. And once you begin to teach that there is no such thing as an eternally burning hell, you take away the fear factor people won't really give their lives to Christ because they know that they're just going to burn for a little while. Revelation 14, Revelation 14 and verse 9, even specifically tells us, it says, a third angel followed them with a loud voice saying, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. In our Sunday churches. We have driven many people to love God by teaching of an eternally burning hell. And yet you guys are teaching that there is no such thing as an eternally burning hell which takes away the fear of God. How do you answer that question?
0: It took a long time to get to the question. Counselor. Ma'am, please step up.
1: Step up right here to the podium.
0: State your name for the court.
11: My name is Nikki.
0: Social security number.
11: (laughs) I want to start by asking you the question, what was the um, lie that the devil um, told Eve to convince her to eat the fruit?
10: I don't want to say it.
11: I'll read it for you Genesis chapter 3 verse 4 and the serpent said unto the woman ye shall not surely die what does Jesus tell we, us we will have if we accept his son John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever liveth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life if the wicked are eternally burning and still alive would that make God a liar Yes, it would. I also like, <laughs> I would also like to note that it says the smoke of their torment. It does not mention that they are there, alive, burning. It's the smoke, the memory of the punishment that is there.
0: Now <laughs> yeah, to the cross, counselor. Does that satisfy your? Uh, Yes, Your Honor. Thank hey, you, there. thank you, ma'am. Please step down.
10: Let let me uh, let me also add here very quickly that uh, the Bible says that uh, the the wicked will be tormented in in the in the presence of the Lamb, and so if the wicked burn forever, and by the way, if you look in the Old Testament at the term forever, you will see that it is a term that is That does not necessarily mean throughout all eternity. So, for example, the Passover was to be kept forever. Um, Aaron and his sons were to be priests forever. Uh, But we know that when the sanctuary came to an end, those things also came to an end. So forever simply means as long as that object shall last. Um, Moreover, the wicked suffer in the presence of the Lamb and if the teaching is correct that the wicked burn forever, uh, and the lamb in to Revelation 7:17 7, will be found in the midst of the throne, well, where does that put the wicked for all eternity? It puts them right in the center of heaven, if they're being tormented in the presence of the Lamb. Amen. But anyway, very good answer. Amen. Your
1: honor, these well-meaning Adventists sure spend a lot sure waste a lot of time putting on these things called prophecy seminars all across North America. And it seems like their main objective in putting on these seminars is to discredit and destroy the Catholic Church. And they teach that the number 666 applies to the title of the Pope. And I believe that it applies to a prophetess, your prophetess, named Ellen Gould White. And I want to mention that Ellen White once received a wound, it was a deadly wound, and the doctors didn't think she was going to make it, but she recovered. <laughs> so, so how is it that you say that it continues to apply to the title of the Pope and not Ellen Gould White?
10: Your Honor, if I can just add something here. I've seen it myself. If you look at her name, Ellen Gold White, and you apply the Roman numerical value, uh, her name equals out to 666. I've seen it online. Please step up
0: to the, up to the witness stand.
12: Please state your name for the court. Dojcin Živadinović. Are
0: you a U.S. citizen?
12: No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Answer the question. First of all, if you look at LNG White, you have to put two V's to, be adu- to get that to that number. And W is not two V's, first of all. Second of all, um, it should be answered in the, in the language that has numerical value for the letters. English does not have numerical value for the letters. And third of all, we know that the papacy has received a mortal wound in 1798 when Napoleon took captive pope, and the, pap- pa- and pope and the Catholic Church was without the pope for three years, and the, and the separation of the church and state occurred, which exists until today. And we know that, that the, the church has controlled the state in the Middle Ages, and then Napoleon took away the power of the secular power from the Pope. And today, Pope does not have that power, but it's gaining influence very much, as you all can see that. And uh, we believe that this is the mortal wound, and Ellen White has nothing to do with that.
1: Very good. I accept that. You, I just sir. want to add just a few more things. Um, Ellen White does not fit uh, any of the identifying marks of the beast. She arose at the US and not Rome she did not subdue three kingdoms, and she did not try to change times and laws. And um, it's amazing to see what lengths Adventists will go to, I mean, not Adventists, but people will go to to try to apply the numerical value of 666 to something other than the papacy. And Ellen White, as a child, received a wound. The papacy at the end of its career received a wound. And Ellen White was hit with a stone, and the Bible tells us that the papacy, it was wounded with the sword.
0: Amen. I think we have time for one or two more questions.
3: You know, I'd like to be, I'd like to believe that Seventh-day Adventists are Christians, like we are, but, um, you know, I have a problem with this concept that they want to be known. Did you just say you were a Christian? Yes, I am a Christian, sir. Okay. But I have a problem. I want to believe that they're Christians, you know, but Jesus said, and he prayed that we all be one, amen, that we should all be one. But then they called themselves the remnant. So I'm trying to understand, you know, if Jesus called us all to be one, why do they call themselves the remnant and what makes them better than us?
0: Gentlemen at the very back, please step up to the stand. Quickly, sir. <laughs> what thou doest, do quickly you got that cool drug <laughs> and... State your name for the court, please. Tate. Tate? Tate. Tate. Oh. Mm-hmm. We, we almost became friends.
12: <laughs> Go
13: ahead. OK, I just want to address your concern about the remnant. Um, I don't know if you realize that it is in the Bible, the word remnant and remnant church. Well, not remnant church, but remnant. Revelation 12:17. It says, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. So, you know, right there it uh, talks about a remnant. And the only reason why we claim to be the remnant is because we fit the requirements, which is to keep God's Ten Commandments. If y'all would keep the Ten Commandments, then you could be the remnant too. (laughs) Easy boy, easy. So how do we all become one? When y'all accept the truth. (laughs) Revelation 18:4 talks about come out of her my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, receive not of her plagues. So you know if you would come out and join God's people, and start keeping His Ten Commandments instead of following the the uh, papal Sabbath, then you'll be a part of God's remnant. Okay, so now can
0: I ask? Do you have to keep the Sabbath to be saved or to go to heaven?
13: Well, let me answer that with scripture. Revelation uh, Good answer. 22, verse 14 says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates into the city. Revelation. New Bible. So. What about those
0: who've, who've uh, gone on and knew nothing about this light or this truth?
13: Acts 17.30 says, But the times of this ignorance God winked at and now commandeth all men to repent.
0: Thanks. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You can do your cool job on back. This is uh, our last question. I'll make sure it's a good one. Sure.
4: Recently I read that your prophetess, Mrs. Ellen G. White, said that there is one teaching that is the foundation of everything you believe. She said that that one teaching is the teaching of the sanctuary. When I have been studying this sanctuary teaching of yours, I found it very interesting that you apply the year-day principle, which I'm not really convinced of to begin with, and you apply that to this 2300-day prophecy. How do we know, based upon the book of Daniel and Daniel alone, that the year-day principle applies to that 2300-day prophecy of Daniel 8.14?
0: Is there anyone that would like to answer the question?
4: This should be an easy one, right?
0: Could you repeat the question, Counselor?
4: How do we know that that scripture in Daniel 8.14, unto 2,300 days, and then shall the sanctuary be cleansed, how do we know, based upon Daniel and Daniel alone, that the, tw- the year-day principle applies to that? How do we know that those days aren't literal days? In fact, most scholars believe that that perfectly fits the time period of Antiochus Epiphanes.
0: We'll give we'll give this uh, lady a chance here. She hasn't. Please step up to the uh, to the stand, to the witness stand. Please state your name for the court.
14: My name is Perez Sambu. Now, uh, sir, so you said you are Christian, right? now how do you uh
0: do you have an answer ma'am yes okay we need to get we yes need to get how
14: do you interpret uh prophecy not we supposed to compare scripture to scripture yes so i don't see why you should limit us to one book when the book you know the all the books in the bible are related. And you, you, I think it was you who said earlier that the Seventh-day Adventist church believes that all scripture inspired by God.
4: That was my colleague, yes.
14: Or, <laughs> yes. So I stand here to say we believe that all scripture is inspired by God, and therefore, since it's from the same order, we can compare the whole Bible, and that is how we can get to know how that, you know, get to interpret that properly instead of being limited to Daniel.
0: You want, you want the question to be answered specifically yes. from the book of Daniel.
14: If you teach that,
0: in the book of Daniel, as you
4: claim, should be able to explain itself.
14: Okay, but that's you know that's why I'm saying I think fair we point. need to expound you, and fair do you point. Have an no I don't have an answer okay. from the book of Thank Daniel. You. But
0: we need someone to answer. Yes, ma'am. Oh, go ahead. Come in. Come on. Since you already stand up without my permission, <laughs> step up to the stand. Please state your name for the
15: court. Bill Ward. So in Daniel 9, there's another prophecy, and it says that 70 weeks are determined for your people, beginning verse 24, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. This prophecy refers to Jesus. And if you continue, uh, know and therefore understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Then verse 26, After the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the Prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary so on. He shall, verse 27, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. These prophecies refer to Christ and from the, uh, from the uh, decree to restore and build Jerusalem, the 62 weeks, the 70 weeks prophecy takes you to the time when Christ was born well, when he when he began his ministry, uh, he was cut off. The, the The sacrifice was was ended in the middle of that time, and that comes to uh, AD 31 when he was crucified.
4: Hmm. That, so that's
15: also from Daniel. Now I that, realize- that
4: sounds like a good argument, but I'm not so sure that that prophecy of Daniel nine is even connected with Daniel eight, but. Let's just say it is. Let's just say it is, for argument's sake. Do you have any other proofs? C- couldn't that example just be a coincidence? Are there any other examples you can give me?
15: Probably, but I'm not sure which ones. <laughs> Thank you.
0: We'll give one. More. Uh, s- sir, please step up to the mic, the witness stand.
16: I think, um, well, my name is Adrian Morris, and I think Daniel 8, verse 16 and 17 answered this question. Um, it says, in 16, and I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli, which he called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid, and fell upon my face, but he said unto me. Understand, O son of man, for the time of the end shall be the vision. So um, Daniel were, was in Babylon for, um, well, G- um, Jeremiah prophesied that they were going to be there for 70 years. So when um, Daniel get this vision, about 2,300 years, if it, if 2,300 days, if it was 2,300 days, it would just send a few more years. So, so, because of just a few more years, he wouldn't be afraid, he wouldn't be wailing, he wouldn't be crying because mm. of just a few more years. Mm. But he understand that it would be a longer time period mm. and probably he would be di- um, going to die in Babylon. So, that was one reason. And then this last part in 17 says, For the time of the end shall be the vision. Hmm. I think I'm convinced. Just want to
4: add one thing. Very good. Good Thank response. You, sir. And the other gentleman, very good response. Another way we can answer that is in verse 13 of Daniel 8. The question is asked, how long shall be the vision, the kazon, concerning the daily sacrifice? Well, if you compare that with the beginning of Daniel chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, um, this vision, this kazon, includes the vision of the ram and the he-goat, which according to Daniel chapter 8 and verse 20 and 21, clearly refers to the time period of the of Greece and Middle persia And so, this is a fact. If the 2300-day prophecy is only literal days, it cannot span the time period of Greece and Middle persia It can't. In fact, the only unit of time that can include that time period of Greece and Middle persia has to be years. So that's another evidence, and
0: there's plenty more. Those answers were excellent. Amen. If you turn with me to First Peter chapter three, verse fifteen, uh, I have a different version. Can I have someone who is uh, has a King James version read that for me? Go ahead. You said First Peter three
6: thirteen. Yes, fifteen. First Peter chapter three verse fifteen, and it says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear." First Peter three
0: fifteen. Amen. You know what, this may seem like, you know, a good exercise or whatever it is, but this can be reality one day in your life, in our lives. We have to one day give account for what we believe in and why we believe it. And there is going to come a time where we won't even have the privilege of holding up the word itself. We have to fortify it. God's word in our minds and in our hearts. Amen. Amen. I want to read a quote found in Great Controversy, uh, page 593. It says, None but those who have fortified the mind with the truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. To every soul will come the searching test shall I obey God rather than man? But God will have a people upon the earth. To maintain the Bible and the Bible only as the standard of all doctrines and the basis of all reforms, the opinions of learned men, the the deductions of science, the creeds or decisions of ecclesiastical councils, as numerous and discord as are the churches which they represent, the voices of the majority, not. Not one nor all of these should be regarded as evidence for, for or against any point of religious faith. Your, your intelligence, however many scriptures you've memorized, however many uh, spirit of prophecy quotes you've memorized, it doesn't matter. The evidence of God's word must not only be seen uh, uh, through intellect, but it has to be seen through, through your life. Amen? Before accepting any doctrine or, or precept, we should demand a plane," thus said the Lord in its support. Amen? Amen? So it's very important, and I want to leave you with this challenge, that I pray and I hope that you have come to Army, not just revived, not just re- rejuvenated or, 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 or uh, you know, or, or um, what's the word am I looking for, counselor? Not just encouraged. But I hope that you have come here and leave here equipped. Amen? Don't treat this as another revival. Don't treat this as another get-together. Treat this as something that you are going to come away with, equipped and ready to do God's work. Amen? Amen. 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 Let us uh, pray, and then we'll have a short break. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we still get to eat and learn from your word. Lord, we pray that you would please help us to fortify our minds and our hearts with your word. We ask, dear God, that you would please, with those things that, that we uh, put before you, that the, the little things that we put before the studying of your word, Lord, we ask that you would please help us to set those things aside and to realize the times that we are living in today. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come together together We ask that you would please continue to be with us and pour out more of your Spirit as we prepare our hearts for the divine service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
4: This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org